Welcome everyone to a special live edition which has been created to support London Fashion Week. For those of you who are not aware, London Fashion Week occurs twice a year, every February and every September. In response to the COVID crisis, this year's format to the year's shows and schedules are a little different. Excitingly, London will be the first fashion capital to experiment with blending physical and digital shows. And I hope this podcast will aim to support the pressures that come throughout Fashion Week. For those of you who don't know, Fashion Week can bring a host of fantastic opportunities for up and coming models and designers, but it does also bring a lot of sleepless nights, increased pressures to remain a certain size, a lot of rejection, and very poor nutrition. And due to this, mental health of young models and designers do suffer. And for many of you who are listening who might not be in the fashion industry, but are returning in September to your high pressured work jobs, back to day to day life, these pressures still coexist. And many of you will be having a lot of stress, again, poor sleep, and probably poor nutrition. So this special series around London Fashion Week aims to bring highlights from our Be Well Collective Summit of sharing inspiring talks from leaders and shakers in the industry, as well as renowned experts covering social comparison, meditation, and movement. Live Well, Be Well opens up its resources to everybody, whether you're in the fashion industry or not, in the aim to help support your physical and mental well-being. How important is movement for you? Do you work out for aesthetic purposes or do you use movement to support your mental health? Maybe it's both. Personally for me, it used to be aesthetic and over the years it's grown increasingly towards supporting my own mental health and taking time for myself. Now Adriana Herbert speaks at the Live Well Be Well Summit about her personal experience and just how movement really changed her life. So next we have movement and wellness expert Adriana London. Um, who also has an amazing podcast, which I need to let you all know, get to know. So as well as we had Kimberly's, we've now also got another one for you all to listen to as well. And it actually provides a network for people within the creative industry, especially empowering women and how to achieve success. So a very positive one for you all to listen to. But I'd love to invite you on stage because you're about to talk about movement and the importance of the sleep and emotion and our hormones. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Adrienne Herbert. I am, yeah, as you said, I'm a fitness trainer, I'm a wellness coach. I have the Power Hour podcast and I'm also a global ambassador for Adidas. So lots of different things, wearing lots of different hats, um, as I'm sure many of you are um, very multifaceted. And we do lots of different things now. But today I am going to talk to you about movement. So, I mean, 
I've moved, we've all moved, obviously, our whole lives. But for me, movement has always been a huge part of my life because I used to be a professional dancer. So when I was a dancer, you know, training, you're in a dance studio for hours every day. And it's very much about the aesthetic of your body and what your body can do and, and having to create a specific line, a specific image, a specific look, and being able to sustain that day after day after day. And yeah, growing up, I guess, through my teen years training and then going to dance school and then performing in the West End in a musical, you, I guess, movement was just such a part of my life. Um, but later on, I then um, had a complete career change. And for me, movement and physical training had always been, well, it had always been that, it had always been physical. The, the mind and the body aspect were kind of quite separate for me. But as I said, I had this very, very sharp career change when my husband became unwell. And I walked out of the theatre. It was at Tottenham Court Road. I was in a musical called We Will Rock You at the time. And I walked out of the theatre and said, see you tomorrow to, to the cast. And actually never went back to the show because that night, as I said, my husband became unwell. He was a very healthy, fit looking guy from the outside. You would not assume there was anything wrong. He, yeah, was a PE teacher, 29 years old, non-smoker, non-drinker, all of that, ticking all the health boxes. And we went to bed that night and he fell out of bed having a seizure and had a spontaneous brain hemorrhage, a bleed on the brain. So that changed both of our lives, as you can imagine, in an instant. And I basically left the show, like I said, and said, see you tomorrow, but never went back because I spent the next two weeks with him in a neurology ward. And then when he came home, he had six months of recovery. So I essentially, yeah, left, left work to, to care for him. And unfortunately, he was on the road to recovery. So that's, that's the positive is that, you know, he, he recovered really, really well. Um, but he did have epilepsy now as a result of that day. So he has epilepsy now managed by medication. But it sent me on a journey, not overnight, certainly not overnight, but it did send me on a journey. And at the, for the first year, I'd say, also probably should mention in this story that I was actually pregnant at the time with my son. So our son was also born that year. So it was a very busy year. There's a lot going on. And basically after he was born, which, you know, he was a joy that we needed, but there was a lot going on. And actually, like I said, for me, movement had always been a physical thing. But at a time in my life, which was chaotic, to say the least, I had this whole new normal. Movement essentially just disappeared from my life. I used to dance, you know, every night on stage. I used to train. I used to be physical. I used to move my body all the time. And suddenly I wasn't moving my body at all because... I had a newborn baby I was looking after. That in itself is a whole life change. And also I had my husband who was also looking after. So I was basically in the house all the time and I wasn't moving at all. And so as a result, I feel like, you know, my energy levels were lower. I suffered anxiety probably for the first time in my entire life. I'd never even, my personality, I've always been energetic. I've always had loads of energy. I've always been upbeat. And so it was a new alien experience for me to actually feel anxiety to feel, you know, this kind of, I couldn't actually articulate what it felt like, but I felt claustrophobic. I felt kind of just trapped and stressed and I had all these catastrophizing thoughts all the time because obviously, you know, life was pretty plain sailing until, you know, it wasn't. So I kind of thought, well, what, what's next, you know? And so it was kind of a downward spiral and I felt like, you know, it's all doom and gloom, but it was summertime and I felt like, you know what, Adrienne, you need to do something to break this feeling. You need to shake this off. You need to break this cycle. You need to be basically be empowered and just do something. And for me, that was moving. I was like, I need to move. So essentially my son was having a nap and I was like, right, I am going to go out the front door and I'm going to move. I'm going to go for a run. 
I didn't have running shoes. I didn't have a Garmin watch. I didn't have, now I'm a fitness coach. I've got all this stuff. I was probably wearing Converse, which I wince at the thought now of seeing a runner in Converse. Um, but I was probably wearing Converse and I don't know, vest from Topshop. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a runner. I'm going to run. It's going to be great. I probably ran for about a mile and it was awful and I was struggling and I was huffing and puffing and thinking, this is supposed to be great. What's this runner's high that I've heard about? This is, this sucks. But I was outside, I was moving and actually I had solitude for 10 minutes. And at that time, that's what I needed more than anything else because I didn't have baby there. I didn't have a husband there. I didn't have my phone or emails, WhatsApp. So I didn't have anything. I was just on my own for 10 minutes. So that essentially is what set me off on this journey, but that was eight and a half years ago. And since then I have done lots of different things. As I said, very multifaceted as we all are working in the fitness industry, working with different clients. I'm very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to work with high performance leaders, pro athletes, music artists, so many different people, new mothers, and working with them in different ways, sometimes one-to-one, sometimes in a group environment. But essentially, I feel like the reason I use the word movement instead of exercise is because when you use that word exercise, we already have ideas in our mind around having to wear lycra, having to be in a certain space, a studio. It has to be a certain amount of minutes. You have to be sweating. You have to be hot. But actually, movement is what it's all about. Movement is what I believe it's all about. Movement is a universal language that we all share. And it's actually, you know, there's so much of a link between the mind, the body, the the signals the brain is telling the body and also the body telling the brain. So I often say that when it comes to, you know, physical mental health, if you had a a red ball of Play-Doh and a blue ball of Play-Doh and you rolled them together and kept rolling up until it was like a marble, that's how I see health. You can't separate the two. You can't separate the physical and the mental. You both have to benefit the other. So when I work with clients and when I work with people around, you know, as we said, all the different aspects, movement is just a part of it. Then, you know, nutrition, sleep, social, all of those things. But I truly believe that movement benefits every single aspect of your life. And whether that's walking, running, swimming, yoga, the expression and the movement. And as I say, in between the signals between the brain and the body, if you think about small movements like gestures, if you are perhaps having a confrontation with somebody and you might feel uncomfortable, you might feel unsafe, you might feel that they're attacking you verbally, not physically, and you might have folded arms because having your arms folded, the body feeling like you're protecting yourself and also not engaging with the other person. So that's a very small movement, just having your arms folded. It might not be a conscious thing. It doesn't mean every time you have your arms folded, you feel like you're being attacked, but it's a response. And equally, the message can go the other way as well. So you can send messages to the brain by the movements that you're doing. For example, if you're in a yoga pose and you have your arms raised up to the sky and your gaze lifted and your chest open and your heart open, that feeling is sending messages of joy, of freedom, of safety. And so similarly with, you know, with strength, if you think about holding a plank position and engaging the core, having strong muscles, sending that message of strength and actually embodying that yourself. It's not only thinking, you're not thinking, oh, my quad is strong, but actually thinking of yourself. And as you become stronger, thinking, actually, I am strong. I am resilient. I can endure. And same with running, thinking about freedom, motion, movement. I could talk about running all day because it genuinely changed my life. And actually running for me was that, as I said, first time, awful. But every time I went out after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to run a little bit further, maybe run a little bit faster, maybe do two laps. And over time... I basically became a runner. 
And for me at that time as well, becoming a runner, I do this because it's like, you know, I was a dancer. So I was like, I can't, I can't be a runner. Actually gave me this whole new world, this whole new sense of self, this whole new community. I discovered other people who were runners. I, I basically signed up to races and now I use running as a, as an excuse to travel on holidays. I get to see the world. Last year I did six half marathons in different cities And I did that on purpose because I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the Paris half marathon. I'm going to do Barbados. I'm going to do Barcelona. I'm going to, and literally I now use these weekends with friends. So it's a social thing as well. And essentially for me, it was running. It might not be running for you. It might be yoga. It could be spin. It could be boxing. It could be combat. But when you find a way to move your body that you enjoy, it's something that you're going to want to do again and again and again. It's not when you use this, you know, term of exercise, we've been We've been told that we must exercise because exercise, you know, releases endorphins and it makes us feel good, apparently. But it's also a punishment. It's, it's like this thing of, you know, go and be a slave in the gym and work harder and sweat. But it doesn't have to be a punishment. And actually, when you find a movement that you enjoy, it certainly doesn't feel like a punishment. And it feels like something that you want to do more of again and again and again. So as I said, that was that was running for me. And it did start to get easier. It did start to feel like, okay, I can do this. And then actually, I didn't expect, you know, as I said, I'd never experienced anxiety before. I'd never had, you know, laid awake at night feeling like catastrophizing thoughts. And I think for a lot of people who do suffer from mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, having a common theme throughout is that you feel a lack of control, a lack of a sense of control. And that is how I felt at that time. As I said, my whole life had changed in an instant. The rug was pulled from underneath my feet and I felt as though I had no control. But as soon as I started to think, okay, what's one thing that I can do myself today? That was a very empowering, very empowering action. And actually through repetition, I was like, okay, I never thought I could run a 5k. I was like, that's so far. But then you do. And you're like, okay, maybe I could run five miles. And then I thought, okay, maybe I could run a half marathon. Never thought I could run a marathon. I always use the excuse that my heritage is Jamaican. We're sprinters. Usain Bolt ain't running no marathon. And I was like, I'm not running a marathon. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too far. I ran a marathon. So with every every time, like I said, the repetition started to build all these other things I never even thought running could do for me, like building my confidence, like building my self-esteem and self-worth and saying, actually, I didn't think I could do that. And I did. What else do I not think that I can do that I can? And also building my sense of actual self-discipline and resilience, because essentially you have to be self-disciplined if you want to train for a specific goal, especially training in the UK in the winter. I'm currently training for the London Marathon again, which is in April. So right now, a, a lot of my runs are done at 5.30 in the morning. I have to go out in the dark and the cold before I then come home and get my son ready for school. And essentially, when you have a goal in mind and you have to be self-disciplined, there's nobody there going to push me out of that bed and say, go for your run. Um, If anything, my husband's like, don't wake me up. So, you know, you kind of think you start to, yeah, have to practice self-discipline and you have to overcome failure. And I got injured during the Berlin Marathon at mile 15. Well, that's not when I got injured. I'd been injured for a few weeks, but I was ignorant and stupid and thought, I can still do this. So mile 15, when I could no longer put my right foot on the floor, I had to pull out of the race. And I had to stand at the side of the marathon watching, you know, these thousands of runners and you've trained for it for four months and you, it's so, I was heartbroken and I felt embarrassed and I felt all these things. But actually it was one failure. It was, I saw it as a failure. And then it's like, what are you going to do? Never run again? You know, like, no, actually, even that is a lesson. 
So everything about it for me, like I said, it might have started as a physical thing way back in the day, dance and movement. But actually now it has taught me so many things that I just wish sometimes I could like bottle it up and sell it. I think I'd be a millionaire because it honestly, like I said, from from self-development to discipline to fun, to actually doing something that you enjoy without a selfless enjoyment. You know what I mean? There's, there's no kind of other thing, especially as adults, I think we get told, you know, when you're a child, you can do all these fun things. Like my son, his schedule, there's swimming, there's athletics, there's, there's all these different fun things that we do. Then when you get older and you have a job and you have to be, you know, an adult, and it's like, if you're doing something with your time, it should be for, you know, you have to monetize it or you have to, has to be uh, productive or it has to be, we ne- we rarely do things that we're like, it's just fun, actually. That's the only reason. Because as soon as you're good at it, it's like, oh, you should put that on YouTube. You should sell that. You know, it's like actually just doing something for yourself, which is fun. And as I said, I could talk about running all day, but for you it might not be running. It might be actually going to yoga. It might be spin. It might be something, but you won't know until you try. And also with that, you know, going into something that's community-based, Running can be solo, but it can also be, you know, a community thing. And so again, with the marathon, if you ever watch a marathon, you will see all ages, all abilities, all genders, all shapes, all sizes. It's so inclusive. And I think for me, that was also something that I found just amazing to be a part of. So if it's, if you're not, if you don't want to do it on your own, if you think, oh, you know, I don't want to go into a yoga space on my own or a spin class or go out for a run on my own, then actually join with someone else. Go with a friend, go into that space and actually even just being in a space like, you know, often people say about yoga when they first start going to yoga, they're like, oh, I cried. It was really emotional that I don't understand why I was crying. It's like therapy. But actually it really is like expressing and moving your body and doing that with another group of people is also really powerful and empowering. So I'm not really sure when fashion week is. I'm not in the fashion world, but I love this idea that the, the lady mentioned before about going to, you know, going to a spin one morning. I actually went to um, Elle magazine uh, to their head offices every Wednesday for a while to basically take the entire team out on their lunch break for a 5k run. So everybody bought their kit and it was basically like, put down your tools, get away from your laptop. Everything ends. Adrienne's here and we're going to do this 5k around Green Park. And then they'd go back, grab lunch, shower and get on with the day. And they were all like, oh God, we've got to do this thing. Like apparently, because everybody from the editor, everyone had to do it. And I think there was probably people that didn't want to do it. But apparently it became the favorite thing. They were like, Wednesdays, yes, we're going to get that run. We're going to break that sweat. And even on days when it was cold, we'd get down to Green Park. You know, you'd have your gloves on, whatever. But by the end of that run, everyone went back to work with more energy. They were like, you know, okay, great. I'm raring to go. It's that midweek slump. And doing it together was the key. Nobody would have done that on their own or without me there forcing them to. But they tell me that they enjoyed it. So yeah, that is my um, talk on movement. But essentially what I want you to do is, like I said, I don't know when Fashion Week is, but what I'd love for you to try at some point is take on a seven-day challenge, a little experiment of your own, and try to move your body every single day for seven days in some way. It could be walking, it could be spin, it could be dance class, whatever, but try and move your body every single day for seven days. And what I'd ask you to do is note down how you felt before, how you felt during, and how you felt afterwards and see if there's a change, see if there's a shift in state. And that could be good or bad. There's certain types of movement that I do not enjoy. So if I know before, I'm dreading it. If I know during, I'm hating it. And I know if after, I'm like, thank God it's over. I am not going to pick that as my exercise or my routine because it doesn't feel good. Even if that's the trend that everyone's saying you should do, you know, whether it's Pilates or whatever. Find something you actually like. So note down, how did you feel before? Maybe you didn't want to go, feeling tired. How did you feel during? actually, I'm getting into this. 
enjoying the tunes. This is good. How did you feel after? And just try that for me for seven days. And I hope that that is helpful. Thank you so much to Adriana for being part of our Live Well, Be Well Summit and for sharing her inspiring story on stage. I hope it's inspired some of you to maybe create movement within your daily routines, not just for aesthetic purposes, but also for your mental health and finding something that you all really do enjoy. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please do subscribe, share with friends and leave a rating. It really helps grow our Live Well, Be Well podcast through the charts. And if you are listening and you haven't yet subscribed for the Great British Veg Out, you can download a free ebook this September from my website of 30 delicious recipes to help you reach five a day, reduce your food waste, and it also gives you a weekly shopping list to keep that cost down. And until the next episode, I hope you all live well and be well. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.